So we're in the middle of a series, and uh, if you've seen it, the, the slide is presence. Presence is important, and in our body, we, we understand presence is very important. We have eight practices, and the top one is presence. Jesus told his disciples, so this is the broad understanding of this series. Jesus told his disciples it's better if his physical presence is no longer with them. So where Jesus presence, where is Jesus' presence now? And how do we relate to him? This series explores the answer to that question in multiple ways. So for Easter Sunday, Jamin gave the first of the series, and that was terror and amazement. So he talked about how there are moments that are just too big to be able to hold, experiences that you just can't categorize. And how do we deal with those? And Resurrection Sunday is a reminder that the living God is still ready to meet us in our grief and heartache, revealing that every awareness that seems so elusive of hope and new life. Now, Robert Grisham, last week, dealt with skepticism, believe to see. He looked at the post-resurrection encounter between Jesus and Thomas, exploring both the benefits and the limitations of skepticism. So I get to preach today on eat and know, and I love to eat, and I think everyone else, I think, loves to eat. It's a good thing to have a meal. So, have you ever had a meal that impacted you tremendously, changed you in some way? Back in March, I took a break, a four-day weekend, and I went to visit my friend Laura. And she uh, lives in this older home in a little small community, and I, uh, I just rested. It had been two, two and a half years since I had taken a break. And uh, my last night there, we played Scrabble, which I'm not very good at, but I had fun because we didn't keep score. <laughs> and she said, well, let's, let's put dinner together. And it was more like a supper. And she did a charcuterie, which actually, that's the name of the board. There was so much, it wouldn't fit on a board. There were bowls of fruit and bowls of different kinds of cheeses and meats and just even salmon dip. Oh, my goodness. And it was amazing. I felt loved and cared for, and I felt kind of a restfulness. There wasn't a need to prepare, and we just threw things together. And then we watched movies. And that meal, for me, really impacted me. It was her, my soul felt so nourished and cared for by her thoughtfulness and the extravagance of it. <laughs> so Tish Harrison Warren, in Liturgy of the Ordinary, she writes, food has so much to teach us about nourishment. And as a culture, we struggle with what it means 
to be not simply fed, but profoundly and holistically nourished. Hmm. The, the definition of nourish, which will be important for us as we move forward, is to provide with the food or other substances necessary for growth, health, and good condition. So it's not just about eating, though eating is a part of it. It's about more, nourishing our souls. <laughs> and so in the scripture, we see that it sort of begins with a piece of broiled fish. Who would have thought broiled fish? Jesus appears, he says, peace be with you. And you would think that would be enough. But they're still not able to believe. I mean, they're, they're scared. It's a ghost. And then he offers them to see his flesh and touch. And, and the disciples still are not able to take it in. They're just amazed. And then Jesus asks for a piece of broiled fish. Hmm. Jamin, how many times is that now? <laughs> there was a past sermon done where broiled fish was said about 20 times. <laughs> so... The disciples seemed to settle and be present with Jesus when he ate that fish. What is it about eating that helps them to see? That's the thing that really uh, grabbed my attention when I was looking at the scripture. And one of the things I thought about was before, pre-crucifixion, resurrection, pre-being arrest, arrested, they were traveling around, and I got to thinking about it. How many meals had they experienced with Jesus in those three years? How many lessons had they listened to over a meal with Jesus? Perhaps the familiarity of eating together in a community helped them to shift from fear and amazement to presence. Ah, I know this space. Jesus is about to teach us. Hmm. Perhaps the um, familiarity, film, familiarity, um, excuse me, what I was reminded of is uh, this idea that the neural pathways of experience and habit sort of help us pass trauma. Because that's what the disciples were living in, trauma like the one that they loved and they followed and dedicated three years to, was killed. And then there was this talk that he had been resurrected, but they never, at least these, never, had never seen him before that as a resurrected being. And so, um, and the other part of the trauma was maybe, maybe, they're coming for us. They're going to kill us because we followed him. But the neural pathways of experience and habit, having meal after meal, they recognize the moment of Jesus eating fish and it bringing them to something familiar that is past the trauma of this recent time frame. Takes them out of the amygdala so, Jesus needed them to see him, 
not for himself, but for their sakes. He needed them to see him and to understand that they're safe, to understand and to be able to take in the next things he's going to say. So now Jesus is ready to serve up a meal. It's a different kind of meal that would that would holistically nourish them in their lives connect, as connected with Jesus and the kingdom of God. This is where the rubber meets the road. The things that Jesus had been trying to teach them, that it over and over again, it didn't seem to quite connect always. This is where it begins happening. This is the grace So the next part after the meal comes nourishing community. In verse 43, he took it and ate it in their presence. From 44, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. (laughs) Imagine how comforting in some ways that felt to them at that point. Never underestimate the power of presence. It's incredibly powerful. It grounds us and it helps us to abide, just to be with. It helps us to see the other even more clearly. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is good at that. He is very good at that kind of presence with us. Verse 45, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. What they had just witnessed and lived through in terror, they were now going to understand. So I want to bring you to a Greek word for mind, and that's... uh, if I can say it right, noose. Okay, noose. It's certainly the intellectual faculty, but the understanding and reason is in a narrower sense as the capacity for spiritual truth, the higher powers of the soul, the faculty of perceiving divine things, of recognizing goodness, and of hating evil. That's the mind as Jesus is, is it said, that Jesus opens this for them. So, Tish Warren, uh, Harrison Warren, in uh, Liturgy of the Ordinary, um, this is another quote from her. It is a joy to sit at the table with nourishing food and be able to tell stories, nourishing stories. And that's where Jesus is bringing them, to this place of understanding and being able to, in their minds and hearts, feed on the stories that he's going to help them understand all along. So now we're at community that actually nourishes communion. Verse 48, you were witnesses of these things. It's not just in the sense of observing or watching. They lived it. They grieved it. 
They knew up close the suffering that went on. And as I thought about this, it reminded me of the past before all of this happened and how so many times in the Gospels you read Jesus saying to them, how much longer do I have to be with you for you to get this? I added the for you to get this. It was implied. Or, oh, ye of little faith. (laughs) So, but now look how far they've come. They're sitting with their, their leader, their, their rabbi, who is now the Christ. And the Christ is opening up what the meanings are, what has happened, and what it means to them. This is no longer the de- definition of the disciples to be afraid or not get it. They had a common connection He opened their minds. So their common connection came through their sadness and their grief and the pain. But now Christ, in opening their minds to understanding with their hearts what had happened, and that starts creating a communion, a we-ness, if you will, Most people laugh at me when I use that word because it sounds so silly. But you know what it means. When I'm standing with someone else and we're talking and all of a sudden we're we're so on the same page, we're finishing one another's sentences. It's like we're talking from the same heart. (laughs) In the same way, (laughs) we participate in the, the sacred sacrament that Jesus left us. Communion (laughs) begins with recognition um, or being seen that we are not enough. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We can say, if we're honest with ourselves, we have have been in this place and struggle with this place. Maybe daily, maybe weekly, I don't know. But we know this space. But finally, we are opened to a communion that is bigger, and it's again in the communion sacrament. This bigger place than me, than you, is Christ's body broken for you. Christ's blood shed for you. (laughs) This brings me back to nourish. Remember the definition? (laughs) Provide with the food or other substances Necessary for growth, health, and good condition. That's the heart of our God who likes and loves to nourish us like my friend Laura did for me. (laughs) I've been thinking about the pandemic and the amount of time we've been apart as a whole body. 
and the real possibilities of being together. I've become excited as we are, it seems like we're coming on the cusp of meeting together regularly, and yet it feels so far away. <laughs> we are not quite there. I keep hearing other people saying, I got my first vaccination, or I got my second. I'm on the second week after my second vaccination, and comparisons of how it felt and all of that. You know, the Easter service really encouraged me so much. If you were there, it was fun, the bubble machine, and just being able to be together outside. So here's some thoughts I have based off of this communion, community, nourishing, communion. When we do come together, what are the things we can do to nourish ourselves and community into communion? We've grown, and God has done things in us separate, in some ways, from community, as we do it, anyway. But I don't know about you. There were times I had major needs, and community helped me. Whether they had to wear masks or not. We've had births. We have a baby in the back that was born during pandemic, the pandemic. We have many babies who have been. And they've never, some of them have never seen another baby. That's amazing. We have some who've been in quarantine on their own, not able to see people. And others who've had to be in public spaces because of work. And all of that has taken a toll on us. So how do we reconnect and become even more the community that we know and a place of communion? What are ways we can be nourished and nourish the community? <laughs> Remember Tish Warren's quote, food has so much to teach us about nourishment. And as a culture, we struggle with what it means to be not simply fed, but profoundly and holistically nourished. We know as a body, it begins with presence. We know that. Inviting the Holy Spirit's presence brings our own selves, bringing our own selves, and it's like cooking an excellent nourishing meal, like what I often see in the stories on the Instagram, on, on Stacy's stove or oven or Instapot. Hmm. But it takes effort and time and grace. Junk food doesn't really nourish. Kara Best and Mark Minyard could tell you that. Presence would mean not showing up to get only what you need, but to be open to others' needs. And we're all going to have needs when we get together because we haven't been all together in so long. That openness could mean empathy and listening. Those are fruits we can give away. 
It also looks like physical help. Our second thing that we know is openness. No shame, just openness. We've been in quarantine. We will in some ways need time and openness to begin knowing each other. And we need to give each other grace for that. Let's think about how we can be nourished and nourish the community. How do we re-engage and be the community together? It'll take effort to get to the place of communion. But Christ City has always been, um, has always loved togetherness and community and presence. So I want to end with this quote. It's by Thomas Merton, and it says, the, this acceptance can be paid for only by sacrifice and ultimately only a gift of God can teach us the difference between the dry outer crust of formality, which the church sometimes acquires from human natures that compose it, and the living inner current of divine life. And that's what I pray for us, the inner current of divine life. Okay, so let us pray. God, as we approach communion, I so desire the living inner current of divine life to grow beyond what we have known. Be present and help us grow in presence. Be open with us and give us an openness. Grant us the wisdom that we need for community that feeds communion together. God, I ask for wisdom, humor, and love to multiply in this community. Even more, even more before meeting together becomes common practice again. God, make us a community that is present and open in mind, heart, soul, and body. Amen.